Julie, I'm really looking forward to this episode, and if I've done my job right, hopefully you have no idea what we're talking about right now. So, first thing I want to do is give you context for how this topic came to me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send you a link. I want you to watch the video and describe the visuals for our friends who are listening at home and cannot see this video, okay? I love describing. I'm good at it. All right, I just sent it. Julie, tell us what you see. Um... Oh, goodness. It's The title is Athletic Greens TV Spot. Don't want to miss anything. Okay, I'm going to press play. All right? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a lovely man holding his little baby who the baby looks to be like, I don't know, one-ish or something. He's holding the kid, and um, he's getting some type of tumbler, putting water in a tumbler, and talking about the things you're hearing. Now he's getting on a bike. Time is precious. I want to make the most of it. He's teaching this little kid like how to shadow box and play sports. I got you, babe. I got you. He's giving him kisses on his head and saying, I got you, babe. Foundational Nutrition for Life. Athletic Greens, one. Basically, it's a, it's a sweet ad for uh, a guy... seeming like the theme is like wanting to be there in his kid's life and um, looks like the way to do that is to drink some green stuff in a bottle. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) It was very sweet. So yes, we are... We're we're taking a deep dive into the murky green superpower containing beverages sweeping the market. So I saw this ad one night watching television. Um, We were watching um, something on Hulu, and so we don't pay for the ad-free version, so we have ads. And uh, this ad came on, and um, I watched it, and the first thing I thought was, like, are they implying that AG1 will make me live longer so I can see my child grow up? Yes. Because... That felt bold to me. It, it is. <laughs> That's exactly... That, is that know, the that impression was, you got? That was my take as well of like, better drink this or you're going to die. And this kid has no one to teach him how to ride a bike. He's just going to I'm glad that there's two everywhere. votes for that because that, that was my exact impression. It wasn't it, that there was like a wellness product claiming I would be healthier or live longer necessarily. I feel like we see those ads all the time. I've seen AG1 ads before that have never bothered me. Mm. It's like, yeah, it's a wellness product that's making me feel sure. like I'm going to be healthier. Uh, it was the powerful visuals of a dad being mm-hmm. there for your child and, and, and somehow AG1, if I don't consume it, I run the risk of like the opposite, as you already mentioned. Like, yeah. Am I dying early? Am I, like I'm not going to be around. Like I'm not. I can't teach my kid how to ride a bike because I didn't have my AG one as they were when they were a baby. I know. Well, I think it just yeah taps into our fears of like, well, what if I'm not healthy? What if I can't be there for them? What if yeah? And and whether and then it's just like, and then here's this product. It definitely pulls on the heartstrings. That's for sure, and probably plays into anxieties that a lot of parents feel, um, which you know is differing levels of manipulative but it's also advertising which is that that's the game baby well it may be effective so i've historically been skeptical of these products especially with how they are marketed and who pushes them as you've already mentioned but i've never really felt particularly inspired to like look into them i've never really felt inspired to do this episode but i saw that ad Mm. and what used to feel benign as I mentioned, like I'd see an ad and they said I was going to be healthier and, and, and fine. Like the FOMO ads that they put out were like, don't miss out on this because otherwise you're not going to be as healthy as the people in this ad. Yeah. Fine. It's benign. I'll move on. Sure. I saw this ad and I was like, shots fired. <laughs> 
this you, is too close to home, man. Yeah. Yeah, you're you've tra- you've transitioned to being a scared tactic. And that's yeah. that 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 felt wrong to me. So all it said to me was, okay, time to look into this crap. Sure. Like you and I need to look into it. I want to know more about it. So when I started off, I told you I was skeptical, and I I think I was honestly surprised after I finished. It's very very complicated. Mm-hmm. Like many stories in the wellness world, there's actual science. There's bits of facts. Things are. I will tell you things today on this episode that are completely reasonable and factual and and completely scientific based. Mm-hmm. It grabs your attention when you hear it. There's big words, but then the rest of it is kind of like this mix of stretching the science to fit a reality. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, like lots and lots of marketing mixed in. So little bits of realness yeah. mixed with a lot of other. And it leaves you with this like confounding, what I called a profitable mess. <laughs> it's yeah. a very profitable mess. Sure. I think your word choice there is appropriate, definitely. And I'd love to, I'm excited to hear you take me on this journey and our listeners too. It's a mess that we're going to dissect today, Julie. So are you ready to answer our super green powders actually super? That's great. Yes, I'm, I'm ready for, uh, for us to reach this conclusion together. Welcome to your doctor friends, the show that teaches you to sniff out the garbage and answers all the questions that you wish you could call or text your doctor friend. My name's Julie Bruni. And I'm Jeremy Allen. And we are two physicians who work at a nationally ranked practice and take care of some of the world's greatest athletes. We know that you have questions and we want to help. We want to be your doctor friends. All right, my lovely friend, Julie, this is going to be a marathon. It's an endurance episode, if you will. Are you up for it? I'm up for it. I'm hydrating right now. Did you bring... Did you bring your booch? Did you bring? <laughs> you, may, you may need some kombucha for this one. <laughs> I'm not. I don't have any booch, but I do have. Um, I have like an electrolyte tablet in my Pellegrino, so I'm good. Oh, so you're gonna have burps and electrolytes. I like it. <laughs> so healthy. <laughs> supplements are not a new phenomena. Uh, these these powders are really just supplements. So it's not reinventing the wheel on a to- on a topic, but. Mm-mm these have exploded. I think you'd have to live under a rock to not have known that green powders and the way that they're being consumed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I assume that you're familiar with these, Julie. Do you have yes. any personal experience with these? I do. They're in my cabinet right now. My husband. Do you personally consume these? No. I mean, I have. They taste pretty good. And the concept seems like, oh, that looks healthy enough. But uh, no, like but it. my husband is a, is, is a, in, enjoys an AG1. In fairness for the listener, I knew that. I, I baited her into that. So. <laughs> yeah, that's why you were like, ooh, we're going we're gonna to tell Julie why Adam should and, and should or should not save, continue to buy these. <laughs> save, save the taste recommendations for later. Okay. Um, the, the One thing I want to get out of the way very early on, the websites of these products, at least the ones that I looked into, the, the more uh, famous ones or the more um, ones people know about, mm-hmm. are very clear that these are not meant to be meal replacements, and they don't advertise them as that. Okay. You're supposed to eat healthy and consume the powder in addition to that. And again, if you go to the website and look at how you're supposed to use these, they're very upfront about it. So I think we can put that misconception yeah. to rest immediately. <laughs> I will like, say that the marketing makes it a little bit challenging, and we'll get into mm-hmm. that later about whether they market it that way. Mm-hmm. But again, if you go to the website and you say, or you get your packet in the mail that says, how do I consume these? They say, this is a supplement. It is not a meal replacement. You should not be only consuming this. This is on top of eating healthy. Got it. Um, makes sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's a great disclaimer to have because it's like, this is giving you something, but it's not giving you like a day of nutrition like this doesn't have fats and proteins and carbs and all the other stuff that you need to 
to exist, right? Correct. It was not designed to be those shakes that you have yeah. that replace meals to help you lose weight. It was not meant to do that. Or the opposite, so, like what we give people that are, you know, that need to maintain their nutrition but have a hard time doing a lot of eating, like folks that are older or folks that are hmm. have health conditions that makes it difficult for them to eat or have an appetite, like like ensure in those like high protein, high fat, yep. you know, nutrition yep. replacements, like those things exist and they are medically helpful in a lot of different situations. And this is not them. Yeah. This Got is it. not that episode. Got it. There are loads of other questions though to be answered mm-hmm. and many layers to explore. So in, in my opinion, the layers of questions here start with the broad question of, do I need a supplement at all? To answer this question, I felt like the best place to start was to consult a performance nutritionist. And lucky for us, we know a great one. Mm. So I'm going to introduce everybody to a performance nutritionist who's going to tell us whether we need a supplement at all. Cool. Well, it is my absolute privilege to bring on a friend of mine and expert that is going to help us answer this question, Christine Blank. Christine and I know each other well from working with the Bulls. She helps with all our performance nutrition needs, and we spend a lot of time reviewing laboratory values uh, throughout the years. Christine, tell us about you. Tell us about your background and and, and, uh, how you ended up where you are. Yeah. Good morning, doctor. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. This is going to be fun. Um, So yeah, my background, I went to Johnson & Wales University. I have a degree in culinary nutrition. So I'm a chef, and then I decided to go back to school and become a registered dietitian. And I've worked with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and now I'm the chef dietitian with the Chicago Bulls. That is a, uh, I feel like a very unique job. I think maybe even people listening right now may say, I didn't realize that the Bulls had a chef nutritionist. Is that something that every team kind of has? Uh, yes, yeah, unique role. Most teams have either a chef and a dietitian, but not normally both in one. There's a, there's a handful, but um, it's kind of cool to be able to talk about food from both a taste perspective and a science perspective. Yeah, I will say uh, I've worked with many teams before and I've worked with many nutritionists before, but uh, Christine is the first one where I walked back to have a conversation and she was actively in chef gear preparing something. Um, (laughs) And so she does wear literally both hats. So, all right, let's dive right into this. We're going to have a great conversation today about these, quote, green powders, these super green foods uh, that everybody is seeing. Um, I want to start really basic. When we're referencing these green powders, these super green foods or whatever, I don't even know whatever you would reference them as. What are we talking about? Yeah, so greens powders, there's a bunch of different brands out there. Essentially what they're marketing as is um, 25 to 40 different ingredients, um, anywhere from dried vegetables to dried fruits, added things like grasses green tea extracts, fibers, all this, all in one powderized substance. It's typically green. Uh, most of their marketing claims uh, are saying boosting your energy, reducing bloating, improving your GI health, or my favorite, detoxify. Ooh, I love that word, yes. <laughs> Makes me feel so good about myself. So as the average listener who's sitting here, I think the question is, do I need to be supplementing, whether it be with a multivitamin or athletic greens or whatever, Can I get everything I need just from my food or is there foundational supplementation? And that's really what I want to get out of you today. Food is always first. And that's the first thing I'm always going to recommend to somebody. Do I think there's a place for supplements? Absolutely. Um, If you think that you eat pretty good, but it's not, it's not perfect all the time. Like most people, a multivitamin is going to be great for everybody. You could put that across the board. I think as a doctor, you could agree that everyone could take a multivitamin, 
right? Um, other uh, supplements that I would recommend personally, and that I do recommend to my athletes is fish oil, because in the American diet, I don't think that we eat enough omega-3s. Again, you can get these nutrients from food first, and we should always be sure. trying to attain that. Um, but I would always say the um, multivitamin, fish oil, and then if you live in a city like Chicago, vitamin D isn't the worst thing to um, supplement as well, just because of the lack of sunlight um, and how much research that we've seen on vitamin D and all of its benefits. So right out of the gate, in capital letters, we do not need supplements unless we are deficient in a specific nutrient. So where the supplement companies will respond back is that a large percentage of people do not eat a well-rounded diet and therefore we would be deficient. And even Christine mentions there in the American diet, she doesn't think we need enough omega-3s, so we should have fish oil. And so I think many times when you hear advertisements or promotions for any type of supplement, let alone the ones we're talking about today, you'll see numbers like 60 or 70% of the American diet does not get enough of X, Y, Z, and you need to take that because otherwise you're going to be deficient in it. But in reality, you can get everything from food, as Christine mentioned. And Christine would say, maybe we should start with fixing the diet part, save us the 60 to to $100 per month on top of our usual food, food bills, because again, you're not avoiding the grocery store, you're not getting these, and then you don't have to you know, eat healthy, you still have to eat normal food and all the normal calories. So you're paying your normal grocery bill. And then you got to pay 60 to $100 a month on top of that to, to get these supplements. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I love that she said food is always first. And I think we've had other conversations um, with Dr. Fasano and with other people about there's so many different barriers to access to good food. And that is, has been integrated into a lot of our episodes and will probably continue to be of just like, it's easy enough to say that, but it, there's a lot of barriers to, you know, what making something shelf stable and, you know, cost effective and, um, you know, a lot of things there. But I, I agree with you. Um, I think her thoughts about fish oil and vitamin D, those are the, the main two. Like if a, if a patient is in the office and asks me like, what are your recommendations about like vitamins and stuff? I'm like, well, in general, like I usually tell them like, I don't really take one. <laughs> But like, there are certain things that I think could be have more data behind them than others. And, and usually fish oil and vitamin D are the ones that she's saying. Um, my other reaction, and this is a total aside and kind of just a me thing is that uh, she refers to herself as a chef and, and a diet and a dietitian. Uh, and you called her a nutritionist twice. <laughs> <laughs> in my because mind, my listening skills are excellent as I've gone through about 100 episodes <laughs> well, of being I also a podcast think that host. If a nothing of... else, I'm a listener. <laughs> well, there's a lot of talk between, like, and I've, it's only because this has come up with, you know. We, sure, what's we, the we, difference? Yeah, and we work with and um, uh, the White Sox as well, and I remember having a similar conversation with their dietitian, and uh, I used the term nutritionist, and she did not care for it. I think it's sort of like trainer versus athletic trainer or like translator yeah. versus interpreter and so again i'm not trying to throw you under the bus there but I no wonder... but i think it's good that you throw me under the bus because i think it's important <laughs> in the situation of yeah. like we try to use correct connotation and we sure. try to use you know language is important we've said that i don't know on how many episodes sure. so far so i think it is important i think i'm glad i'm glad you brought it up i think what she has laid down for us at least initially here is that again we're starting off this episode by not saying that supplements are bad and you don't need any hmm. that'd be an easy episode yeah don't get supplements supplements right. are stupid that's the not end. what we're saying sure supplements have a role i think what 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 the initial where we're starting off this episode is most of the time 
supplementation should be targeted very specifically at a deficiency. Mm-hmm. The same way that if you did over-the-counter medication for a viral illness, like you don't want to take something that has 17 drugs in it, you take sure. the thing that's bothering you. Um, and so again, now we're talking, we're going to keep talking about supplementation that now has a million things in it, and we'll we'll go from there. So. Cool. A common marketing strategy of health and wellness companies is use complex scientific words that have Mm -hmm. a very positive connotation. You hear them and think, that sounds like it'd be good for me. Sure. However, most of us have no idea what they're referring to, including us. Yes. And in some cases, the product itself doesn't even like list them. Like, what is, what are you talking about? I have no idea. So I'm going to play another clip here from from our friend Christine talking about these buzzwords and kind of how they uh, apply to us. Is the word proprietary blend going to come up? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like that's yes. what I usually see. It'll be like, these are chock full of phytonutrients. And you're like, what now? And they'll be like, it's a proprietary blend. Don't talk about it anymore. <laughs> Julie, you're excellent at predicting what you're going to hear. <gasps> Athletic Greens has a very prominent spokesperson in Andrew Huberman. Everybody knows Huberman from Huberman Lab. And so he's done a significant amount of promoting for this. And so in one of his you know, promotional videos, he says that it's an all-in-one vitamin, mineral, probiotic drink that also contains digestive enzymes and adaptogens. And like, all of that sounds good to me. So even as the a medical professional, I hear that he says it with a positive attitude. And I'm like, that sounds like it's probably going to be good for me. But I guess what I'm asking you is educate to me what he's really saying. Is he, is, is it just marketing words or is, are those things good for me? So, yeah, it, it is kind of uh, weird because, like you said, as a medical professional, all those things are not only do they sound good, but they're accurate to a sense, to a degree. Sure. Right. So it's not a lie. Um, however, like we said, the difference between a multivitamin and the greens powders is a multivitamin is telling you specifically how much of each vitamin and mineral is in there. So it might say five percent of your daily value or five milligrams um, in a greens powder they're just dehydrating all these fruits and vegetables and adding in digestive enzymes and whatever else. And then in the, on the ingredients list, it says proprietary blend. So yeah, mm-hmm. you might be getting mushrooms or green tea extracts or wheatgrass that you never get in your regular diets. So you're like, oh, let me take this powder and now I'm getting it. But you might be getting a tenth of a milligram, something that's not making a difference whatsoever. So to me, that's concerning because you don't know exactly what you're taking. Yeah, you could have 40 ingredients but if you're taking one little scoop, how much of that are you actually consuming? So if I'm hearing you, it's not so much what's in them that's concerning to you, but more so the fact that you don't really know how much you're getting or exactly what is being consumed and at what values. Exactly. Did you hear the proprietary blend in there, <laughs> Julie Bruni? <laughs> oh, I think my, my mouth it was wider than it's ever been ever. <laughs> my jaw dropped. I was like, yes, there it is. Yes. There was a there was a lot in there. Um, it, it, yeah, that was that was a very pithy uh, clip, which I would love to respond to. Unless you wanted to, frame no, it I want to hear what your response yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a lot of this comes or talks about like, when she's talking about like proprietary. When you guys are talking about proprietary blends, it sounds like yeah, what's the dose? What's the exposure? Like what we've talked about in, in you know like our our friends on unbiased science, you know, talk about that a lot, and epidemiologists talk about it a lot. It's like what. <laughs> But what's the benefit? I mean, we look at that in the world of like, what's this harm that this toxic thing is doing to me? What's its, you know, negative effect, its carcinogenic effect? And on the flip side, it's like, all right, well, is some whiff of mushroom going to have a huge benefit on my microbiome? I don't know. Probably not. Who knows? 
Um, it's, it reminds me a little bit of homeopathy a little bit, which I, I think would be a great episode to talk to about as well and why people believe in it and is there any science behind it. Um, the other thought I had, uh, and then you can go back to educating me, is one, does everybody know who Andrew Huberman is? I mean, I think they, in like in the circles of people. They do now who's people, listening to our podcast. Yeah. I mean, he's basically has the the most popular health podcast that's out there, uh, millions and millions of viewers. And I wonder if Athletic Greens would have approached a dweebier physician. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I wonder, like, clearly, I think part of it is, one, he's wildly successful as a podcaster and influencer. And two, like, the dude's jacked. Like, of course, Athletic Greens are, are going to ask him to be a spokesperson. I wonder if there would have, it would have had the same impact if it was like... I don't know, some dork doctor that didn't look like they could fight in the UFC. <laughs> well, it is interesting because I have thought before that, you know, there, there's a few spokespeople for these sort of things. But people who specialize in, you know, health and wellness or longevity, and then that's their brand, in addition to the fact that they align themselves now with products to make money, who mm-hmm. that's their brand, how much pressure there has to be to be healthy and well. Like if if Huberman had a heart to attack appear, tomorrow, like what is so, what does that yeah. do to his brand, right? True. Like and again, like there's a lot of this stuff we can't control, even though you listen to these episodes and it makes you feel like you can control everything. Yeah. But you know, I don't know who his parents are. I don't know what the genetics were passed down. And the guy sure. could have something negative happen to him that he has no control over. He could be doing right. everything right. But what does that do to the brand? So I'm sure that like that seems like crippling pressure to me to, yeah, to have I to agree. always be like on your A game with that. Yeah, I think you you brought up a good point. Um, highlighting from Christine, but when you look at the back of these packages, you know, when you look at these, you know, there is a long list of nutrition facts and most of them have like how much magnesium is in it and how Mm -hmm. much niacin is in it and and, and such. So it does actually tell you how much is in there for those. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the things that they're really advertising to you, like those adaptogens and and digestive enzymes, they are under these proprietary blends and then they literally just list like 30 things. And it's just a list and it tells you, it doesn't tell you how much is in there. It'd be Mm -hmm. the equivalent of, you know, saying I'm going to go to a concert and all 30 of these people are playing, but I have no idea how long they're going to play for if they're just going to walk across and wave on the stage or frankly they're just sitting in the back and i'm never going to see them sure you're like but they are going to be present in the building yeah you will see them they they yes yeah that's interesting that's a that's a good analogy i like that all right so another point christine made um not in that clip but i'm a clip we're about to play is Mm. i think it's really important to highlight this fact about regarding the certification of these products meaning you know yeah how do i know if what i'm getting is 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 okay there's a lot of different brands out there. Do you feel like there's anything that really separates these brands? Or are they really just doing different marketing? Or like there's 40 different ingredients. Is somebody saying I have a one better ingredient than another? Could yeah. It- so what, from what I've seen is that some also add prebiotics and probiotics to help with that GI health. Um, and then others have a little bit heavier on the fiber content. Um, and what really stands out to me is that most of them are not third-party tested. I would say that the one that kind of stands out in the field right now is Athletic Greens. And the good thing about them is that they go through a third-party testing so that you know what you're getting is actually what's in the bag. Great. I love that you brought that up. Tell us about third-party testing and how, as an average consumer, I can know whether that was done or not and what that even means. Sure. So supplements are crazy in the nutrition field because absolutely no one... Um, monitors what's in the bag. So you could be in the supplement aisle looking at five different vitamin Ds and they all say 5,000 milligrams, but they could be, there could be other things in them, um, which is crazy, right? So when you have a nutrition facts panel, that's different than a supplement facts panel. 
Um, there is so third party testing. It goes to a different laboratory, a different facility, and they are double checking that the ingredients in the supplement match what the marketing is telling you is in the supplement. So beyond us even telling you whether it's worth taking these things and whether they're good for you and going to provide what what the package says it's going to do for you, this is it just saying what they're telling you is in the bag is actually in the bag and you're not getting something else. Yes. It's not crazy that, seem, that that's legal. <laughs> it seems moral. like a pretty low barrier of entry to say what I'm buying is actually what they said is in there. Yes. Um, so can you find that on the bag? Like is that, is that a label that an average consumer can see? Yes. So the ones that we do for sports is called NSF. So most of the supplements I get would be NSF or informed sport. But if you're looking for just a regular supplement, just look for um, a label that says third party tested. Um, That's super important with any supplement you buy, not just creams powders. So, yeah, I think, again, a very important point, whether you're somebody who's going to at the end of this episode decide something like this is for you or not. You want to make sure what you're getting is safe and what you're getting is actually what you think you're getting. And it's kind of crazy, but and we've brought this up in other episodes, but the supplements are, are not regulated by the FDA and therefore do not necessarily have to be tested by anybody to be what's actually in there. And there's certainly been always news stories of people having complications or issues secondary to something else being in there, fillers, whatnot. And so uh, just make sure that yours is third-party tested and NSF's a really good one. Athletic Greens is done by NSF, which is great. We do those for, those are a lot of times the professional athletes and and colleges NSF certified, but there's other third-party testers. Do you think that's part of the reason why Athletic Greens specifically, and I think you mentioned maybe some other like powdered green supplements like that are clear on their website being like, this is not meal replacement, is because they need to legally not call it food. Because if it's food, then it's uh, then it's regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. And yes. so to be like, this is not food. It's not food. Which is so funny because it's like, well, stuff that's edible is food <laughs> to some yeah. degree. No, I, I mean, think like... It- I think you I think you hit the nail on the head for sure. I think a lot of what these companies are doing is straddling the line between what they're allowed to get away with and what is legally allowed and then yeah. how to market it appropriately. And it's a dance that leads to a very long episode with you and me. Right. Well, and then I'm sure, you know, being third party tested probably costs a lot of money. So that's my guess. I mean, that's there's no other reason why I think a company wouldn't do it if they wanted to be reputable unless they were just super scam artists but like it costs money then you have to prove that you know right that what you're putting what you're saying is on the label is actually there um sounds like christine is saying that athletic green seems to be the only green powder that's doing this is i mean like if that's accurate that's pretty bonkers because i feel like there's a lot of different types of powdered greens out there that the vast majority of them are just like don't bother to get third party tested. That's pretty weird. Yeah, I don't have stats on that, but I do think that you brought up cost. And I think if you're looking at a cheaper product, I'd be very careful. Yeah. You know, like if it's less expensive, there may be a reason it's less expensive. Sure. They may not be getting third party tested. So I, it's as I mentioned, I think it's a pretty low bar of entry. Like this is the standard we're being held to is what I, you told me I'm buying is actually in there. Yeah. That's like, that's the basic level here, which is kind of crazy. So, yeah. all right. I think at this point, it's very important us, uh, for us to highlight a few of these common buzzwords and define what they actually mean. And if there is any data to support the use, you know, pull back the curtain, if you will. Mm. And to keep uh, you 
engaged, my esteemed friend, you are going to pick the categories. I have five categories, I believe, that <laughs> you're going great. to pick from. Okay. And we're going to define each of them. I'm going to play a clip full of buzzwords, and you are going to pick with which one to start. Okay. And I'm going to add a little bit of color before we start this clip because... Is that color uh, green? <laughs> well done, my friend. Nothing our listeners expect more than that comment from you, my friend. So. Sorry. Can I add, before we go any further, that to find this clip to fit for what I wanted to do here, I had to do a lot of searching, which led to a lot of video watching. And after all of that, besides now my social media feeds being filled with nothing but green Mm -hmm. powders and supplements, uh, sponsored ads, um, I can totally understand why these products are so compelling to people after doing this. I really can. I'm going to call out a specific video that I saw between Andrew Huberman, as we already mentioned, and Tim Mm -hmm. Ferriss. Tim Ferriss is one of the biggest podcasters in the world as well. So now Mm -hmm. you have two of the most powerful, influential podcasters sitting across from each other at a table and doing a podcast together, um, but it was on YouTube. And Huberman was going in-depth on his supplementation strategies. And he was saying, like, really relatable things. Um, And he said something that I stood out and I almost like, I went back and listened a few times to be like, yeah, that's interesting that you said that. He goes, adaptogens are very, it's, it's, it's a very vague term. It doesn't really mean anything specific. And I was like, oh, really? Good. He said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> I was like, it's kind of ironic because it's mentioned in every AG1 ad and yes. promo that he does without clarification. He's like, it's got adaptogens. But then here he's like, it's a vague term and it really doesn't mean anything specific. Got it. But then... Very knowledgeably, he speaks about adaptogens, including Mm -hmm. pathophysiology, like their effects on cortisol and how he Mm -hmm. has used them for his health with dosing and expectations. And as a listener, I was like, I was really intrigued. I was like, this is interesting. But as Christine mentioned, AG1 doesn't say how much of all these things are in the product and Mm -hmm. doesn't say when to strategically take them. It's not as if I get that product and it's like, take it an hour before you work out. Sure. They generally recommend just taking it, I don't know, once a day. Mm-hmm. Some The one that I am familiar with says, take it every morning and then trust us that it's the right dosing because you okay. don't get to know the dosing. Also, trust us that the dosing is the same for everybody, yeah. that I'm the same as the next person because we all need the same amount of these supplements in the bag. So as an example, he says in this video with Tim Ferriss that you don't want to take ashwagandha, and we'll get there, I know. We'll get there. We'll define what ashwagandha is for long periods of time to suppress cortisol because you don't really want to suppress cortisol for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. Pathophysiologically, that makes sense. It's a very strong sentence. He sounds smart when he says it. But then AG1 says I should take their product every single day and it has ashwagandha in it. So now what? What am I left with now? Am Am I supposed to take it every day or am I not supposed to take it every day? He also says that we should notice a difference taking rhodiola. Again, we'll get to rhodiola in a second. Strategically before exercise. But you shouldn't take it every day because some studies have shown its effect can taper off. Okay, well, it's in my AG1 that I'm taking every day. What the fuck? <laughs> this is a clusterfuck and I can... Together and you- I, I'm putting it as delicately as I can. You tell me it's like it's like a multivitamin then it's like okay well then you're telling me the exact opposite of what you're advertising to me that should should now i just have 85 bottles of pills in my you know in my cabinet my kitchen you know it's just so confusing because yeah. it, it and again we're about to get into some evidence and the stuff he brings up has evidence behind it and everything that he mentions in this episode is not necessarily wrong 
but then you extrapolate it out into a product that I'm paying a lot of money for mm -hmm. that I'm taking every single day and I don't know if I'm getting any of these benefits that you're talking about because A, I don't know the dosing and B, you just talked about taking it at specific times and right. also not taking it for a long period of time. Right. I'm confused. And like, is taking one negating the other? Do they, f do they fight each other in my colon? <laughs> Nobody wants to go in your colon, Bruni. <laughs> Let me yourself. play this clip. Okay. I'd like to take a brief break and acknowledge our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is an all-in-one vitamin, mineral, probiotic drink that also contains digestive enzymes and adaptogens. Okay, Julie, he listed five things. Do you want to start anywhere? Did any of those stand out to you where you want to start? Otherwise, I will lead us to the first category. Well, I'm gonna, I want to start with adaptogens because you already started with those, and that was the one Thank that you. I remembered. <laughs> I think it's also a good one to start with because yeah. A, I already mentioned two of them, um, and B, they are the word that stands out. Yeah. You hear adaptogen and you're like, yeah, I want some this of that. Is, yeah, <laughs> it's alphabetically the first one, so there you go. Oh, wow. Well, we'll keep your organized <laughs> brain. And So do you know what an adaptogen is? Uh, I heard somewhere somebody told me that it really doesn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, it That's sounds funny. like... I wonder where you heard that. <laughs> If I had to take my best guess, in all seriousness, I'd say it, it's a substance that's supposed to have um, some effect on our ability to adapt to our surroundings. Yeah. The term seems to have been first introduced in 1940 in the Soviet Union. Oh. All good things come out of the Soviet <laughs> Union. But the definition has changed and evolved a lot and still remains a bit of a moving target. But in 1998, the FDA weighed in and put a definition for an adaptogen as a metabolic regulator that has been proven to help in environmental adaptation and to prevent external harms. So... When discussed in wellness marketing, they are usually advertising these to help our bodies respond to stress. They'll okay. say adaptogens help our body respond to stress. Yeah. It's probably an oversimplification, but again, that's the concept here. Any guesses on one food that's very high in adaptogens? Um, uh, broccoli. Spinach. A whiff of, if I can quote mushrooms. my friend. Mushrooms. Mushrooms. That's my girl. Fungi. Broccoli. Get out of here. <laughs> Common adaptogens um, are ashwagandha, mm -hmm. rhodiola, maca root, and ginseng. Mm -hmm. So Huel includes all four of those. Huel's another popular green supplement. AG1 uses ashwagandha and rhodiola roseola, rosea, which is rhodiola. So rhodiola is its own, it's its own thing. It's a disease. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It does not include diseases. Good. Strike that from your mind. It's rhodiola rosea. Okay. Referencing the excellent work of our friends at examine.com for this, mm. I highly recommend it if you're ever buying supplements. Ashwagandha is also known as Indian ginseng. It's an herb used in Ayurveda, um, the traditional medicine of India. Yep, Ayurvedic. So, so, yeah, well done. It, uh, it has good evidence, meaning actually solid study, um, and, ev and examine gives it an A uh, rating for anti anxiety and stress relieving effects reducing cortisol levels, and improving total sleep time and sleep quality in people with and without insomnia. Okay. All good stuff. Yeah, it's in my right? cabinet right now in my house. Oh, nice. Yeah. We're going to get back to that in a second. <laughs> so some of the concerns about it is, A, it can be sedating. Hmm. Um, B, people, it, do you remember it going viral on TikTok? It may still be viral on TikTok, mm. but do you remember ashwagandha kind of going viral on TikTok? And the reason I ask you is you're actually on TikTok. I'm not. Not specifically. I mean, not on my For You page, but I, I wouldn't be surprised that it did. 
Yeah. So the the biggest when it went viral on TikTok, a lot of the people were reporting that it, it was in a younger generation, and they took it and they said they felt disconnected from their emotions. Oh. So it kind of like it, it almost gave That's like not a great disassociation yeah yeah that's already Mm -hmm. a major problem in young people let's not add to it by putting now a lot of that was given positive connotation because again these people were stressed and having you know anxiety and so they felt disconnected in a way that kind of like made them relaxed Hmm. Um, but that's the way they described it Hmm. Um, there may be some concerns with thyroid and and liver um, if you take it at wrong doses so it can have side effects in terms of your body and then the last main issue is you know like there really is isn't much western study on what's the dosing like how much ashwagandha do i take and when do i take it so Mm. i want to go back to it being in your cabinet do you use it um i have here and there but it's almost yeah like when i'm feeling more stressed or if i if i'm sick or is it labeled with a dose um i think so i can go get it and go grab it. it okay I have another one that you already mentioned too, so I can grab that. One. Yeah, can you go get your medicine cabinet and bring? Get your herbs. It's, this isn't the medicine cabinet. The medicine cabinet is for medicine and all of my face products. Sorry, go to your herb cabinet and get your herbs and bring them here. Yes, sir. We we will wait patiently. All right, wonderful. Julie has returned from GNC and she is now going to show us. So, what does it have a dosing on it? It does. This one says 920 milligrams per serving. Okay, and then what does it say to take it? Like, how does it says to yeah, serving size two quick release capsules. So, you have to take two of them. Um, and then it says amount per serving, ashwagandha root. Um, it says from 92 milligrams of 10 to 1 extract. And then the percent daily value just has an asterisk <laughs> because it says um, daily value not established. Okay. And then it, it also gives other ingredients, though, too, if you care. Rice powder, gelatin, capsule, vegetable, magnesium, stearate. So what, what does it say on there anywhere, like the, the recommended intended yeah. use? Yeah, it says, for adults, take two quick-release capsules one to two times daily, preferably with meals. Um, because it doesn't I'm say specifically what? for... This this bottle specifically doesn't say, like, this is what you should Okay, it so for. it doesn't say an intended... Some of them do, though. I've seen it's like... T- like yeah, for stress or whatever. But yeah, this one doesn't particularly say like why you should. You should have. It's like do your own uh, research ahead of time and then buy this. Is there stuff. a uh, certification label on your bottle there? Just out of curiosity. That's a good question. Third um, party certified. No, I don't think this one is. 100% quality satisfaction guaranteed. Non-GMO, gluten-free, herbal supplement. No, this one doesn't. A lot of buzzwords. To the trash with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, or just get it third-party tested. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's all all I have on ashwagandha. Um, But I think uh, starting off strong because I think, again, ashwagandha in itself has been shown to be beneficial. I just don't know how much of it is in my AG1. So I don't Mm. know if I'm getting that dose that you just said out loud to me. I just know the NSF has certified that it's in my AG1 or my Huel or whatever. Okay, let's move on to Rhodiola Rosia because he just showed me a picture of it. So you have them both. <laughs> you are an adaptogen queen. I did not purchase these. These were purchased oh. by... You are no longer an adaptogen queen. Yeah. You're um, married to an, ad- an adaptogen prince. Sure, yes. Sounds great. Um, so Rhodiola is a root herb. It has good evidence, uh, again, A evidence for reducing stress and fatigue, as well as less solid evidence, so less than A evidence, more in the C or B category, of increased mental performance, particularly under stressful conditions. And then per examine, in short to moderate intake duration, so months to a year, and in moderate doses, Rhodiola is safe with little to no side effects. Mm. But 
outside of that, maybe some liver uh, issues as well as medication interactions. If you, the medicines you take are are broken down in the liver, which is many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but otherwise, safety doesn't really be appear to be an issue here. So, what do you have for me on rhodiola there? Um, this one says it's a thousand milligrams, which is a nice round number. But same thing, it's the daily value. It's not an asterisk. It's one of those weird little crosses that I always thought was strange, but that just says daily value not established. Um, but there are a bunch of like little, the smallest labels I've ever seen or little icons. And I don't know if any of them say third party tested. They say stuff that my 39 year old eyeballs can't read, but it says like lab tested, high quality, 365 days, something GMP, but nowhere on this says third party tested or what was the acronym? Um, NSF is the NSF. sport one. Okay. A lot of times they won't do NSF unless they're marketing to athletes Understood. because it is expensive to do NSF and sure. it really is more for like NSF is the one that like if you're in the Olympics you want it NSF because you know you're not going to test positive for something that uh, uh, is going to get you banned. Got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it, this one actually uh, says specifically on the front of it uh, supports energy, brain function, and, or support sorry, healthy brain function and energy and stress and mood support. And this is by Bronson Nutrition, which I think is cute because that's my nephew's name. And uh, does Bronson Nutrition have a dosage and how often to take it and such? Yeah, it says take, um, as a dietary supplement for adults, take one capsule daily, preferably with a meal or as directed by a healthcare professional. Interesting. So going back to that Tim Ferriss episode, uh, uh, Huberman said that he was taking, and I forget if he said a dose, he was taking it like an hour before a workout. And what he would notice is that he wouldn't have as much of a like post-workout like downer feeling okay. like he wouldn't be tired after his workout if he gave everything to his workout he would be more energetic throughout the day if he took rhodiola so but again cool. he was like don't do it every time because you'll lose the effect i didn't see anything in the in the evidence on that and he didn't sure. have a do, uh, dosage but again i think uh, to the summary finishing up adaptogens as i've learned because i i didn't know much about adaptogens prior to this episode mm-hmm. is at least these two rhodiola and and ashwagandha have good evidence behind them and and, and that they do something I think, again, and safety actually doesn't seem to be a big issue, although I mm-hmm. certainly, if I have somebody who has chronic medical problems who takes medications, I would definitely cross-reference these with either a physician or somebody to make sure that you're not going to get uh, side effects from it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that dosing remains the bigger issue here, yeah. like when and when and how often to take it. So, sure. All right. Back to, back to our clip for our next category. I just could remember one. You want? Oh, you remember one? Yeah. All right. Go for it. Was we don't need to listen to him do his, his AG1 ad again if you remember Digestive one. enzymes? Was that one of them? Digestive enzymes for okay. 400. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so digestive enzymes are naturally occurring digestive enzymes. Wow, good definition. <laughs> End of uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're proteins that your body makes to break down food and aid digestion. So okay. we chew food, saliva starts to break it down, then into the stomach, small intestine, and so on. And along the way, enzymes help us break down the food. So the pancreas is the major enzyme supplier. Where do you get a lot of your enzymes? You get it from your pancreas. Mm-hmm. These enzymes include some of uh, um, you know famous people, including amylase, which is made in your mouth and pancreas. Yeah. It breaks down complex carbohydrates. Lipase, made in your pancreas. It breaks mm-hmm. down fats. Protease, made in your pancreas, breaks down proteins. And some of the other common enzymes made in the small intestine include lactase. I think a lot of people are familiar with that, breaking down lactose. And sucrase, which breaks down sucrose. Mm. So we have a collection of enzymes here. So healthy people have plenty of these. Yeah. It is possible to have an enzyme deficiency, like 
lactose intolerance. Mm -hmm. Many people are familiar with lactose intolerance. Mm -hmm. That's decreased lactase. You are deficient in an enzyme. There's also exocrine, exocrine uh, pancreatic insufficiency, which mm -hmm. we know about, but I also feel like is shows up in those ads on TV where you're like, I have exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, and mm -hmm. I like, look happy because I'm taking something. Right. Um, th this is where the whole pancreas doesn't secrete enough, so you're not going to have enough enzymes. Right. So in these cases, supplementing makes sense. Think about sure. uh, patient or people who have lactose intolerance. They take like a lactate by mouth yeah. before they consume dairy, and it helps them. So... The evidence backs that up. Mm -hmm. Taking lactate or lactase before you do it helps you if you're deficient in it. Yeah. And with taking like an alpha-galactosidase supplement, such as like Beano, you familiar mm -hmm. with Beano? Mm -hmm. You can reduce symptoms like abdominal discomfort and bloating in people who have trouble digesting specific carbohydrates in beans. So if you have this problem, that can be beneficial. A small study suggested that a combination of enzyme product containing Alpha amylase, protease, cellulase, lactase, and lipase, all your ACEs, mm -hmm. reduced indigestion symptoms related to functional dyspepsia, a.k.a. heartburn. Okay. However, more research is needed. The study's authors were affiliated with the supplement manufacturer, as is always the case in these situations. Yeah, of course. It's always the person who makes it who studies it, and it was really small. In another study, digestive enzymes improved irritable bowel symptoms, hmm. which is incredibly hard to define already. Um, but apparently taking these digestive enzymes may help with that. But overall, the evidence here is really crappy. It's yeah. limited. Well, it's intended. mostly not done on people who are healthy. Like none of the studies were people who, it's just very hard to find studies on people yeah. who are like, I don't have a diagnosed condition. I'm going to use these digestive enzymes and it's going to make me have better digestive health. And I put digestive health in quotes because whatever the hell that means um, when you're somebody who doesn't have any digestive problems. So the last thing I'll say is safety doesn't appear to be an issue. Julie Bruni, what do you think about digestive enzymes? Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like there's, I don't know, it's complicated. There's so much that's involved in our symptoms related to digestion. Um, and I'm not a registered dietitian. Uh, and, and to be honest, and kind of like how we've talked about with Dr. Perella and others, like, I don't even feel like I got that great of um, education about nutrition all that much in medical school. But yeah, it, it seems like these are like, how necessary is this? And how helpful are is adding on these things that that probably the majority of people are making them in fine amounts if you don't have exocrine uh, pancreatic dysfunction like yeah you don't know if you really need this stuff I mean certainly you know I think the the lactase and you talking about that makes sense and clearly people that have that problem it's pretty obvious to them and it's a pretty quick solution to it um, yeah I don't know these ones don't pass mustard for me but it also seems like they are also probably pretty benign um, I can't imagine that supplementing these enzymes harms people. And if it makes you less farty, then <laughs> great for all of us, I suppose. Yeah, I think if it makes you less farty, you're not going to know if it was the digestive enzymes because sure. they just throw a bunch of them in there and you have no idea. And there's all these other, you know, those 50 ingredients in here. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Um, yeah, I agree with you. These don't hold much water for me. Um, again, they're in the proprietary blend. I don't know how much you're giving of me. Do we even know how much amylase I should be taking? Yeah. Like, it just, it doesn't Where make do a lot of sense. This? Where does it and come from? And if I'm from? having bloaty feelings, maybe yeah. I should specifically try to figure out what's making me bloaty and go after it more specifically than just throwing and a, how could you do uh, that a, a if digestive there's... enzyme bomb on it. Yeah. How could you even do that if you're, if you're taking a supplement that has 45 ingredients? Like, Impossible. Okay, don't take that supplement then. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember any other categories? 
Well, I mean, they were just like vitamins and minerals, wasn't it? Perfect. Like- vitamins and minerals. Here we go. <laughs> Vitamins and minerals for 200. Yes, we we are all familiar with these. Examples include vitamin A, B, mm-hmm. C, D, etc. Mm-hmm. Know your alphabet. Minerals such as calcium, magnesium, etc. Mm-hmm. So we have vitamins by the letter and then minerals and such as calcium, magnesium, and such. So rather than focusing on research here, because it would have made this episode 17 times longer, there's a million <laughs> of these, I wanted to more or less understand the benefits, if any, of consuming these in a green powder drink versus just taking a multivitamin. Because sure. I think most of these come in a multivitamin. You can get vitamin minerals from Centrum. Mm-hmm. The uh, the green drinks are around $3 a day, plus or minus. A credible multivitamin is less than $0.10 cents a day. Yeah. So is it worth 30 times more in money, cost, yeah. dough, for these vitamins and minerals to come from my green drink? And to do this, I found nothing other than editorial articles in non-clinical or medical journals. I can't promise that there isn't something, but I feel like I did a pretty thorough search and found absolutely nothing comparing, you know, like powdered or Mm -hmm. green powders or supplement powders or dehydrated vegetables versus multivitamins in their ability to give us vitamins and minerals. The theory proposed um, by the powder companies Mm. is that the body always absorbs foods better than synthetic supplements and so these green powders are dehydrated foods and they should absorb better and have better bioavailability they like to use the word bioavailability because Mm -hmm. it sounds smart they also don't contain any synthetic materials used to make the tablet Mm. which gives it like shelf life and all that kind of stuff too um but it's not food remember if it was food it would be regulated by the fda yeah (laughs) it's made from food but it's not food (laughs) If you take the water out of food, it's not food anymore. It sounds like an SNL skit is waiting to happen. <laughs> but I get I mean, what you're Is saying. it food or is it not food? I'm confused. It, is it, it it's food, food, but it's not food. <laughs> the, so the theory is reasonable. I understand sure. what they're trying to get at. But without any solid evidence-based yeah. results, paying 30 times more for me just doesn't make sense. No. I will stick with my centrum. Yeah, or nothing. But yeah, but if you're like, I'm a vitamin girly and I want to have one, fine. Then, you know, but I agree with you that it, it does seem like... I, the, one question I'd like to ask, and we could look into that, or I don't know if you know it, but um, as Christine was saying that Athletic Green seems to be the only third-party uh, tested green powder, I wonder how quickly and easily we can see how many of over-the-counter multivitamins are third-party tested. Or yeah, how- just to clarify, she was not saying that Athletic Greens was the only one. She was saying that one of the good things about Athletic Greens, because it is maybe the leader in the clubhouse, is that it's third party. There okay. are other ones that are third party tested. Got it. But yeah, the connotation I got was that it was a bit more rare for them to be third party tested. So it'd be, I'd be curious to see how frequently, because there's just so Multivitamins. many. Multivitamins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like there's an entire aisle, you know, at, at every Yeah, I certainly don't look at it. I, I, don't, I don't personally take a multivitamin, but in the past I have off and on intermittently. Mm-hmm. And I certainly never looked at my bottle to see if it was third-party tested. I probably would moving forward if yeah. if I was to go buy one tomorrow. Sure. And I think it's also pretty well accepted among nutrition experts, um, dietitians, that the vast majority of us don't really need a multivitamin. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that, was... that we're getting all of these things anyways from, from our diet. And if we're not, we should be looking at our, at our diet. Right. But as Christine mentioned to us, it's also not terribly harmful to take one. So yeah. anyway, 
That was my multi- vitamins and minerals. I okay. didn't really want to go through all the vitamins and all the evidence no, behind please it. Don't. I just really That's wanted enough. to compare it to uh to to, to the green drinks. Okay, <laughs> you've done a good job. You've you've done a good job remembering our our ad from AG1. Um, there was one more that he said, and then there's one more bonus category that he didn't say that I'm going to add. So do you remember the last one he said? Think no. gut again. Oh, um, uh, like probiotics or prebiotics or biotics. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. So the International Scientific Association for Probiotics and Prebiotics defines probiotics as live microorganisms that, when administered in adequate amounts, confer a health benefit on the host. Mm-hmm. So these are the gut bacteria, and mm-hmm. prebiotics are basically food for the bacteria. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking prebiotics, you're feeding your probiotics. That's the concept there. Yeah. This is definitely its own episode, if not a whole series of episodes. <laughs> like, like pre and probiotics is... is yeah. We could be here till tomorrow, but there are many different strains, different amounts, different forms of absorptions. It's a challenging and evolving field. As of August 1st, 2019, the clinicaltrials.gov database, which is where people register clinical trials like that are going on in mm-hmm. the United States, contained 1,341 studies, which could be retrieved using the search term probiotics, and 342 studies for prebiotics. And that yeah. was in 2019, and that was just at one time and point. So yeah. we're a team of two people, so no, we will not be reviewing no. all of them no, on this you. on this podcast. But for our purposes today, there was a paper in 2017 that reviewed all of the meta-analyses on probiotics for us. A reminder that a well-done meta-analysis mm-hmm. is the best form of study for us. These analyses look at all available conditions studied, including metabolic disease, antibiotic diarrhea, IBS, constipation, depression, and a lot more, Mm. looking to see if pro and prebiotics help them. And again, a meta-analysis takes all of the studies and then pools them together. So now you have a big, big pile of data, and it tries to come up and tell you, is there actually a benefit or not? So the summary is that only for antibiotic and C. diff, so Clostridium difficile associated Mm -hmm. diarrhea, and then respiratory tract infections, the effects of probiotics are considered evidence-based. Okay. The results did lean toward improving constipation, but it was technically not statistically significant. So, can I promise that this meta-analysis includes every study on the face of the planet? No. But I do know that it included all the meta-analyses through 2017 and include every condition that people could possibly think of. I shouldn't say possibly could think of. That's a bad challenge for my for my listeners yeah. out there. But it included a lot of conditions that most people associate taking probiotics and prebiotics for. And more or less, unless you had a diarrhea from either taking an antibiotic or getting C. diff, or if you had a, a respiratory tract infection, there was really no other reason to take a pro and prebiotic. Yeah, and, you know, listening to our episode with Dr. Fasano talking about the, the gut microbiome, I think, like, we're talking about blanketing everybody taking this supplement that has a million things in it, blanketing everybody should be taking the same type of pro and prebiotics is not really what he was talking about in the future of understanding the gut microbiome and how it affects us and and turns on or turns off our gene expression it's more like okay well this is going to where we're going with this is sort of personalized nutrition and people and like fine if you're deficient in lactobacillus or whatever then you should be supplementing that as opposed to like take this this supplement that has all of them in it, like maybe that's not helpful for me or it could be harmful, you know? So I just think it's, it's a very difficult blanket statement, but if you're going to create a product, you're not going to be like, this is Jeremy's athletic greens for Jeremy's gut. I mean, maybe in the future, that's really what, where we're going to go. We'll see, but, um, that's not a way to sell some, some powder, man. At least not on a mass 
scale at a you know like something i can afford right. um so no i totally agree with you and and ultimately like when they say you know take these pre and probiotics as as dr fasano does a really good job of describing it, th- those are the products that are being sold are being sold far ahead of where the science is so we have yeah. no idea what taking a pro and prebiotic is actually doing for you and at this point it's more or less just a placebo effect unless you're doing it for those three things that i had above sure. uh, that i talked about before sure, important so, things it's not downplayed diarrhea, man. No, it isn't. It, I, I, I do recommend people take a probiotic uh, when they take an antibiotic. Yeah, and as did um, Dr. Fasano. Yep. So I think that that's important. But cool. But you don't need to take it every single day in a, in a supplement drink that has 50 things in it. So Certainly. bringing it back to those powders, the effects of probiotics are strain-specific mm-hmm. and have to be ingested in adequate amounts. So as it said, even in the definition, you need to take it at a certain amount to make a difference Mm. it can't be guaranteed with a proprietary formulation which is often the case in these powders so again i have no idea how much of each strain is in each i can go to the store and buy you know different probiotics Mm -hmm. that tell me how much is in it and again we don't even know if that's the right thing to take but Mm -hmm. anyways long story short maybe yeah okay um, and the last one you were basically were saying is a trick question because it was one that he didn't mention so i'm not gonna guess anything yeah, you're not going to get it. Uh, phytonutrients. I wanted <laughs> oh, to go yeah. through what phytonutrients I said phytonutrients are. earlier in the episode, though. You did. So I'm proud of myself. <laughs> you did. All right. Phytonutrients, a.k.a. phytochemicals, or antioxidants, if you will. Mm-hmm. Phytochemicals are bioactive compounds generated from secondary plant metabolism in response to environmental changes. So plants make them for their own purpose. Mm. They are attractants for pollination and can be protectants against insect and pest attacks Mm. or exposure to various stresses such as UV light. In addition, they contribute to the color, flavor, and aroma of plants and are recognized as having potential value in nutrition and human health. So unlike adaptogens, these are typically found throughout our diet through the intake of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, Mm. beans, herbs, tea, and coffee. Some of the names of these, and you may recognize some of them, polyphenols, flavonoids, carotenoids, phytoestrogens, and phytosterols. There are more than 10,000 phytonutrients that have been identified in dietary plants. So naturally, I read all the studies on all of them, and I'm going to read them all to you right now. Okay, (laughs) bye-bye. You can do that by yourself, Um, sir. Right, right, right. (laughs) I haven't had my dinner yet, so this is making me all very hungry for actual food that isn't a supplement, (laughs) real food that I can put in my gullet. Well, wait till the end of the episode. We'll, we have a surprise for you. The, the, the sum, more conveniently, there was a review of clinical evidence of these in human health care. The summary, phytonutrients, I found this more by finding phytochemicals as my mm. search term, benefits in sleep, stress, immunity, digestive health, and energy. So maybe this is where we're getting all the benefit from this drink. Um, the limitations, they're incredibly hard to study all of them like independently. Yeah. Like how do, you, how do you independently study these? They're, they're no. all mixed together all the time. Sure. Um, also, and we've seen this in other parts of medicine as we've done research, is it a situation where if you took them independently, they could still work, or do they all need to be present together yeah. to function? Like is it's there... an all it. They make them for their own use, and it's all part of. Yeah, the, it's a, it's a symbiotic sort of yeah relationship yeah. between all of them. It's right. an ecosystem. That's there the word I'm go. looking for. That's it's an the... ecosystem, and if you Good if you time. individually take them out, what have you done? So, right. Um, also. Another limitation, they're readily available in foods. Why do I need to supplement these? Right. I should just go eat foods. They're just there. Um, right. Well, if you eat said, foods in every that, category. Yeah, if you eat foods go, that grow from the ground or 
stuff that ate stuff that grow from, grows in the ground, it's probably going to be in them in some form. Or yeah, another. one of my favorite uh, Ron Swanson um, memes is <laughs> is him saying, "Excuse me, you. There's a mistake. You served me food that my food eats." <laughs> <laughs> Don't um, eat like Ron Swanson. <laughs> as as I said in each category, safety doesn't appear to be an issue. Yeah. And with that, we finished five categories. Yay! Okay, All right. Okay. I'm ready. We're we're gonna wrap up. Although just with, it's not a short wrap up because we've just defined everything. We haven't really given many opinions. I mean, we've tried to give some opinions through it, but so with those defined, the next layer for me is whether this is something under you know a, a, a red. A, dietitian would recommend to the average person yeah. right so if i went and talked to a dietitian would they recommend it to me and luckily i interviewed you, a dietitian you, you did that i called a nutritionist <laughs> okay all right so let's get into the fun com- part of this conversation so you, you've already expressed a little bit of some skepticism i think there's also been some conversation we've had thus far that's been okay like this stuff may be helpful you whether you want to pay for it or not is up to you do you think that this is something that's useful for the average person? If I'm the average person listening to our podcast right now and I'm sitting to myself and I want to be healthier, the average person should consider this? I don't think it's not helpful. How about that? I don't think <laughs> it's not helpful. Good double negative. Well done. <laughs> right. I don't think it's not helpful. I don't think if you're getting a third party tested, tested supplement, I don't think the ingredients are going to hurt you. But for an average consumer, is it necessary I also don't think so. So as a dietitian, we always say, get your nutrients from food first, right? Like the earth provides you everything that you need in your diet. And if you eat enough fruits and vegetables, lean protein, fiber, then this supplement is not necessary. And like you had brought up the financial aspect, that $80 supplement is in addition to your regular grocery bill. Right. So that's a whole nother cost. It's not in replace of your fruits and uh, vegetables or your fiber. It's not in replace. It's an addition to to hopefully fill those gaps. We're all busy. You and I are both busy. Everybody has things going on. And I find that maybe one of the biggest barriers here is, as you mentioned, you can get these from your fruits and your vegetables and everything you get from your food. But the grocery store isn't labeled with our daily nutritional uh, recommendations and our, you know, it's hard to know if I'm getting everything that I need and vice versa, the label on, you know, an AG1 drink or some, you know, Huel drink is going to say, look, we're giving you everything you need and you don't even have to think about it. So it seems like the entry to like, I feel like I'm healthy is a lot easier on this side, although it does come at a cost. Do you have recommendations for people to say, okay, this is where I would go to say I'm getting what I'm needing to be healthy so that they can have you know, like a label for like AG1 gives them, but maybe for the grocery store? Yeah, I think as a society, we're a little bit too label obsessed and quantity obsessed. Like we shouldn't really be focusing on, I need my 10 milligrams of vitamin C, or um, I understand wanting to have a full, well-rounded diet, but that I think we should be focusing more on whole foods. You don't need a label on a fruit or a vegetable. I don't think we should really be focusing on labels because when we do that, now we're taking out the whole foods. Now we're taking out um, the hydration from fruits and vegetables, the natural fiber, that, that feeling of chewing and feeling satiated by um, actually digesting our food. Um, those things help keep us full. So when we're taking just a supplement, we're taking those calories, but we're not actually feeling full from that effects of chewing. Interesting. So if you had a client who was coming in and said, I just wanted to eat better, it sounds like you are not necessarily 
handing them a sheet that says get this this and this in terms of like specific micro and macronutrients you're saying you know eat whole foods make sure you're having well balanced between you know maybe you could fill in the gap there yeah, where I'm, when, I, when someone comes to me and says, I want these certain nutrients, I'm definitely not pointing towards supplements. The only time I really point towards supplements is if we've had our lab talks, if someone's deficient in something. That's when we're going to fill in those gaps. But the first thing we should be focusing on is how you fill up your plate. What does that look like? Um, where are we sourcing these ingredients from? I think that's way more important for overall health. Sometimes we hear, especially when we uh, work with our non-professional athletes, like our average clientele who comes in as patients versus our professional athletes, they'll say, well, what do you do for the professional athletes? Cause you truly, you know, you probably treat them different than you treat me. So would you make the same recommendations for the elite athlete? Do you start with supplementation for them because they're going to need supplements or is it the same concepts? It's the same concept. I will always start with food first. The elite athlete, they are putting their body through so much more wear and tear than that we can even imagine as a regular human. So I'll add supplements on top of that, but I'll always start with the basic ones that I know that they need. I'm not going to jump to all these um, extreme nutrients. We'll first look at their diet, talk about where can we get um, all of our whole foods? How can we build your plate? Let's take some blood work. Let's look at your labs from there, and then we'll talk about supplements. Again, supplements are something that is supposed to fill in the gaps of your diet, um, not supposed to be the first thing we go to. I want to highlight again that Christine brought up um, because I do get this question a lot is when she's uh, evaluating, you know, elite professional athletes, she doesn't necessarily start anywhere differently from the average person, you know, and as we always say on this podcast and in the office, do the basics well, do the things that are really uh, uh, accessible and are important for daily living well, then worry about the edges like supplementation. And we do that no differently with our professional athletes. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. The boring things are what work the best. Um, and the professional athletes, they're just, they're human beings at the end of the day. And we're going to treat them as humans first. And that's why I love my role as a chef dietitian, because I can talk to them about nutrition through food and through showing them that it can taste really good. And it doesn't have to be a boring, bland piece of chicken with sauteed spinach, right? Uh, healthy food can be a lot more than that. All right. I, I wanted to add some of the professional athlete stuff, because I feel like when you're talking about you know, marketing of these things. You'll also talk about uh, seeing people who are doing exceptional athletic stuff. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. I want to be more athletic and I want to be as healthy as these professional athletes. So they're probably doing these things. They're probably taking this stuff. And in addition, oftentimes marketing strategies are to put these in those people's hands, yeah. you know, and have them be spokespeople for free because you want, you know, people to think that they're taking them. So I thought that that was a really good addition there. Wheaties did it first. <laughs> That's actually food, so that's different. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, there's been athlete endorsements, but particularly, you'd, yeah, you'd look for someone who is doing something amazing athletically to be like, well, you know, if, uh, you know, if this guy or gal or whoever is, is looking good and, and performing amazingly, like, maybe do what they're doing and you could do one one hundredth of that potentially. You could be like Mike. Right, exactly. So something else that she brought up that I think we can all relate to uh, when we do something we consider good for our health was the effect on our future behaviors. I'll play you what she said. But I think that is also kind of a double-edged sword as well because a greens powder, if you take it in the morning, you could, that could snowball effect into having other great 
health decisions the rest of the day, right? Like, ooh, I had my greens, my mm. green drink this morning. I feel like I made a healthy choice on to make other healthy choices. But the other side of that is, ooh, I had my green drink this morning. I don't need to eat any fruits or vegetables sure. because I just got all my nutrients. So it really, you, it, that's where I say it kind of comes down to the individual perspective because it could be a mind frame that works for you or against you. So I know I'm, I, I'm, I know I'm guilty of after like a good day of exercise or like I ate really well, feeling like you know I can have that dessert. No, I can have that. I can have that drink. Uh, and you know, sure you, feel you like, can. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't want to like get bogged down into the like of food being um, or like the reward. I don't. I, I'm not going to get into that can of worms about talking about like the 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 like moral value of food and that you should you know whatever. I, I think the point here is not to say that, you know, again, it's not to talk about morality of food as much as it's to say, like, okay, I had my green supplement drink, so now I don't have to make good decisions in the future. And again, the companies didn't design it to be that. Yeah. They said you had to make all good decisions and have this. Right. But anytime psychologically that we do something good for our body, there sometimes is an inclination to be like, I can do something maybe that I deem not as good for my body because I did something good. So again, the psychology is maybe all it's looking at here. Yeah, and I like that Christine basically said the opposite the first way of like, well, maybe if you're, it's like habit stacking, like we've talked about before on our like resolutions episodes and stuff about like, yeah, maybe if you're doing one thing that you you believe has a positive benefit for mm-hmm. your health, then it inspires you to be like, well, I can do more because I'm on a roll, like I want to maintain my role. And then she kind of countered that with the exact opposite of like, well, I did the, the one thing so I can, you know, I feel like I'm giving myself a pass to you know, neglect some of the other things like my stress management or my, you know, maintaining my good sleep hygiene and that kind of stuff too. But I don't know. It's just so hard to like, this is why health and like when Reagan Chastain talks about like, it's not something we can just throw a dart at and then you have health now. It's just, there's so many, there's so many different things that balance each other or don't balance each other. And it's, and it's all just like your comfort level of how invested in it you, you feel feel like you can be it's just so it's so complicated. well i think it's a good point though because right the advertisements and promos for these products suggest yeah. that life is hard and that you may slip up which is true right yeah. but these products are here to come to the rescue and if you use these you know your behaviors won't matter as much but it's also not true because on their yeah. websites they say your matter your behaviors still do matter and you can't throw a dart at it and we've already gone through a lot of things that you know like this is not targeted to one specific individual. So again, it all comes back to the episode of basically saying these people are making something and telling us we're going to be healthy for it. And is that actually true or not? Right. Um, It's a mixture of yes and no. All right. The last thing I want to highlight from my conversation with Christine is the research surrounding these products or maybe the lack of research around these products. I guess the only other thing that I did want to bring up about greens powders is, um, to be careful when we talk about research and we're talking about nutrition as a science-based practice. Love it. Um, there is very limited research right now on the greens powders. And you had mentioned how long you take it. Um, will you see effects? Well, right now, the research that is out there is very small sample size, meaning not a lot of participants participated in the study. And it didn't last. It wasn't over a long period of time, right? So they might have great little snapshots. Um, we could cherry pick the information saying that it improved your gut health. Um, but if we're really analyzing the research, it's very small sample sizes um, and there's not a lot of it. Some of the research is done by the companies 
that are making the product. So of course, they're going to be a little bit biased. So if we're talking about evidence-based practice, that's where um, some of my bias comes in as well, saying that these greens powders aren't something I recommend um, all the time. Yeah, that's a really excellent point. I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, we we talked earlier that many of these uh, companies aren't even shelling out the money to get registered in terms of uh, getting the certification to say that what's in there is actually in there. So to think that they're putting out significant amounts of money to do an excellent research study, I think is uh, uh, probably not the bar that we have we have set for them. In addition, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but the, the, the health and wellness industry historically has not done a very good job of doing high quality studies and they're very, very difficult to follow. So many of the claims that we see in advertisements or see in websites or promo materials are really just associative data. They basically say, look, all these people took this and they said they felt this. It's not causation. There's a lot of placebo effect to it. In addition to the fact, as you mentioned, most of the time it's very small samples. It's usually like 20, 30, 40, 50 people, Mm -hmm. which is not a sample that uh, reflects all of us. And then, yes, they follow it over a period of a few months or or sometimes if we're lucky up to a year. Um, And we we know that, uh, again, in nutrition and when we start to talk about longevity – that our body responds to these things and changes over time. And so as we take a powder and say it makes us feel better six months from now, you know, two years from now, it can be completely different because our body changes and adapts and such like that. So really, really excellent points. Thank you for bringing that up. I remember my- Yeah, absolutely. And then you had reminded me when you had said third-party testing, um, that if you are going to try some of these green powders and it's not third-party tested, just be wary that if it is- um, cheaper or more inexpensive that the product could contain fillers, right? So what do I mean by that? It could could contain added sugars, artificial additives. Some of them even have caffeine in them. They're trying to essentially bulk up the product um, with things that you don't want. Um, So just be wary of that when you're looking at different greens, um, green powders, or really any any, uh, supplement. Yeah, for sure. The caffeine hiding in these things always is is something to look out for. They caffeine makes you feel good. So when somebody takes it and says they feel good, caffeine can always make you feel good. And it will be will be hidden in there. We did we did an episode on caffeine um, uh, relatively recently uh, about that. But yeah, for sure. Julie, for me, after doing all the this research and letting it uh, digest, see what I did there. I, yeah. I feel honestly like mostly defeated more or less like resigned to the fact that no matter how much evidence-based recommendations many of us you and me and many of the other people fighting the good fight try to put forward the marketing and spokespeople for these products are more powerful they don't need to prove their effectiveness they just need to create a sliver of hope and wrap it in a shiny wellness box and it's going to sell and Mm -hmm. and that is ultimately what the goals of these products are they do not care if you feel healthier or live longer even though they'll tell you they do they they are care about making money they're a company And realistically, we shouldn't actually hold them to a standard of trying to, you know, want us to feel healthier and live longer because they're a company. And when you work for a company, the goal of the company is to make money. So do you want to give your final thoughts before I kind of give my final takeaways and wrap this up with a bow? Yeah, I mean, I think you make a great point there, particularly about, you know, this product in or these products in particular, and it sounds like you broke it down for us, are relatively benign. Like the risk of harm here based on at least the data that you and the research that you presented to me, it seems relatively low. 
you know, uh, clearly there's always going to be small individualized risks of harm for somebody that has an adverse response to this or has an underlying medical condition for which this is not advisable. And it's hard to make a blanket statement about that. And I think you're absolutely right that the wellness industry is that it's an industry and it cares about, you know, making profits and continuing to, you know, to build its profit margins. But um, what what I can't abide, and I'm sure we'll get into it in different episodes, is when these types of health and wellness and supplements or some other type of, you know, I feel like right now the one that's going around on social media is like coffee enemas. And when they're marketed to people to say like, look, this is adequate treatment for your diabetes or for your cancer. And instead of doing, you should shirk all of the great biomedical research. And instead of doing all of that, throw away your, you know, your diabetes medication and just do this coffee enema or something like that is actively harmful. That has potential of really hurting people um, and have, you know, and when it's marketed as ignore, you know, your, your, your sort of proven medical treatment for your medical problem. And this product doesn't seem to be, or these products don't seem to be doing that. And especially in their advertisement, they're basically saying like, look, eat good. That's up to you. But you could take this stuff and you'll probably feel a little bit better. And here's this prominent physician and probably other spokespeople to tell you that you should do it too. And wherein that's less directly harmful, um, there's just some, I don't know, yuckiness around the edges that um, we can have discussions about. Yeah, except when you make an advertisement that says I'm not going to be there for my kid when they're riding their bike because, yeah. you know, and again, you you didn't say that, so I understand you didn't sure. physically say that, but I'm watching this ad feeling like that's what it's being implied. And then in addition, I, I think the thing that you mentioned going around social media, you know, there's two, there, there's a few different layers of this, but there's the people who are influencers. They have lots of followers and yeah. then they make really weird claims that are not evidence-based and coffee enemas. And like, they don't think that they're held to the same standard as people who make medical claims and are medical physicians because they're just influencers, but they do, they make a, they, like people listen to them. They have 2 million followers and people care, but like, that's one thing. For me, and what I think this episode is getting at is these take people who are who have degrees and mm-hmm. are reputable and not just degrees from like 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 an MD from nowhere, like like PhDs from Stanford yeah. and very highly listened to podcasts who also have a big following and then have them say that this is stuff's very important. And I think that that is a whole nother layer here of like where is the line drawn on whether this is good or bad, right? I agree with you. I said that safety on this doesn't seem to be a big issue. Mm -hmm. And cost is a huge problem here. And in reality, like, what are we trying to accomplish? The blurring lines of the marketing of what they're trying to accomplish, I think, is and who they're using to promote it is really where it gets is challenging for me. So I have a very long closing statement that I'm going to put out. Do you have any other thoughts before I... (laughs) Uh, no, this the is defense great. rests here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, okay. give a lot of our, our listeners a lot of credit for sticking with us. This has been a, I, I've really enjoyed having this conversation. I hope people have enjoyed listening to it. And I know sometimes we try to keep things short and tight, but I don't know. I'm also, when I'm into certain podcasts, I get, 
I'm excited when I see like, ooh, this one, this, you know, this episode of My Favorite Murder is two hours long. Yes. You know, like I'm into it. So hopefully we haven't lost y'all, but I don't think. Well, I personally don't think that you can do this topic justice in the short amount of time. And I think that our goal here is to give you the information and give it to you the best we can in a way that you can understand, but also is is in depth. Yeah. We're going to give you depth here and on this podcast. So we may have some longer episodes with good sure. with good information and and I I I spent a long time researching this because I thought it was important. Yeah. I learned a lot. Um and again, I'm gonna, I'll I'll close it out and you'll hear my final thoughts, but yeah. it, it, I I was excited for this one. Me um this the the super green powders consumed at the recommended frequency are in my opinion at worst expensive supplements that are wrapped in placebo without much harm associated as we just talked about. Mm. This assumes that the product consumed is certified, such as, you know, NSF certification that guarantees the contents are actually what they say they are. There are some redeeming factors for things like AG1, which is that AG1 is actually climate neutral certified and donates to charities that provide food around the world. As a quick aside, I thought it was kind of interesting that they didn't mention donating any of the supplement itself to the hungry, hmm. as they call it a foundational product, but they're giving meals to people and not giving the supplement. Obviously, you shouldn't be doing this as a meal replacement, but it would seem to me that many of the people they're donating food to are probably deficient in a ton of stuff. And maybe just handing them this powder as a multivitamin um, may have been helpful, but (laughs) I thought that was just interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't have a comment either way. They may have a reason for it. But either way, I thought that was interesting. Sure. Um, But at the same time, you have people spending tons of money seeing ads that they will be healthier and live longer and then spokespeople that they trust telling them that they swear by it mm-hmm. all while they refuse to actually study their product in placebo controlled randomized trials this is the playbook used for generations all the way back to snake oil yeah. i feel amazing and you will too you're going to spend money so you want it to work and if you want it to work it's yeah. amazing how much better you can feel there is a ton of placebo here And finally, I think using the phrase foundational supplementation, which is one I'm stealing from some of these promos, Mm -hmm. is inappropriate and dangerous. Mm. We do not have evidence that you need supplements to live a long, healthy life. We do not have evidence that if you have a diet that lacks the necessary nutrients, that using these supplements will give you a longer, healthier life. We do have evidence that eating a well-rounded diet full of whole foods will give you a longer, healthier life. So stop using the words foundational supplementation. In one final sentence, if you have optimized your diet, your exercise, your sleep, if you have avoided tobacco and minimized alcohol, if you have worked to increase your human connection, and if you've done all that, then I think it's okay to consider these powders. (laughs) And you can decide if the cost is worth the possible but unproven benefits. Just buy a certified, reputable, and preferably sustainable product. So before we finish, Julie... To add some levity to the end of this episode, and because we are dedicated to you, the listener and our friend, I acquired some AG1 to try on the podcast today, and I'm pretty sure you have some in your house too, no? Right here. It's right. (laughs) So let's mix this shit up and sign off at this episode in style with a full swig of adaptogens, phytonutrients, (laughs) digestive enzymes, vitamins, minerals, and superpowers. Sounds, Sounds great. Bottoms up, my friend. Mm. Listen to your doctor, friends. <laughs> the amazing music is credited to Skillcell with Pixabay licensure. The podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast should not be taken as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult a medical professional for any medical issues that you may be having. 
The contents of this podcast are the opinions of the hosts only and do not reflect the opinions of their employers or affiliations. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Julie Bruni or Dr. Jeremy Allen or any guest to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast. <laughs>